my dad's always been one to tell me, don't give a horse too much credit for thinking what you think. Try to understand them. But I'm telling you, that horse loved to win. Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, January the 21st. Another awesome episode ahead of you today, Mr. Austin Shepard, the 2007 and 2017 NCHA Open Futurity Champion, joins the show. We're going to talk all about the Shepard family, talk about their success at the Futurity as this interview was recorded uh, toward the last part of the NCHA non-pro fraternity go-rounds. We talk all about Kaylee Shepard, Cade Shepard, of course, the lady in charge, Mama Stacy Shepard, and what has all gone into uh, the Shepard family and their reign in the cutting pin. So be sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Brazos Valley Science Station, the skill and expertise of Jeremy Barwick, Dr. Charlie Buchanan, and Dr. David Ricks, plus all of the staff make it unique among breeding and performance horse establishments, a vital center for horse owners, breeders, and competitors. Visit their website for 2020 breeding season information and their complete stallion roster at BrazosValleyStallionStation.com. I'd like to welcome a man to the show that was the 2007 Open Futurity Champion, as well as the 2017 Open Futurity Champion, along with the 2017 Open World Champion. Uh, won the 2017 Open Futurity Championship aboard Dual Rayish and the World Championship aboard the Great Mare Deluxe Checks. Austin Shepard, welcome to the Section K Podcast, man. Thank been you a, for been, having us. Been a long time coming, I feel like. What's up, Austin? <laughs> Yeah, how's it going? Um, welcome to the Section K podcast. Uh, we've been, this has been an interview that I've been super excited about for a long time. And I feel like with talking about dual race, whether it be the, the favorite runs in the first rounds of the Futurity that we did the other day or, or your runs on Highbrow CD at the Futurity or Deluxe Checks at the World Finals or another one of my favorite runs is that one you had on the honor at the 25,000 added cutting at Amarillo. But, uh, man, how, how have things been going so far here at the NCHA Futurity? It's been going good. We've had a good show. Uh, made one back in the semis. Cade made one back in the non-pro semis. And Kaylee got back in the non-pro limited semis. And I've had a couple amateurs do good. So well, Let's start out with Kaylee Shepard marking that 219 the other day in, in the limited non-pro. Talk a little bit about what, what it means to you to see your daughter uh, not only shown at a high level, uh, she's been competing here at the age events for the last year or so, I think, year, year, yeah. year and a half. Um, first time I saw her was when she whipped my hiney there at West Monroe in the, in the, in the non-pro aboard Christy Hughes. But what's it mean to you to see her come to the futurity and, and getting through runs on a three-year-old, I mean, showing, showing young horses at, a, at such a high level? Oh, it's great to watch your kids do good. I mean, honestly, it's people don't believe me, but it's better than doing good myself, you know. Because, uh, you know, in the last year or so, she's gotten really serious. Started coming to the barn more, riding more, putting more into it. And um, she was actually going to show a different horse. And um, I don't know, I guess the day before, the, or the day that they were closing all the entries, changing everything for the non-pro, last day of the open, uh, she didn't get along that good. And Kate said, well, she can just show my horse. And so Kate let her show the Gildan. 
and uh, she did great and uh, kind of lost his horse right there, I guess. So that's now <laughs> Kaylee's horse. But uh, That sums up the shepherd way there, right right there. You guys are selfless, and it's just a family sport, family, family deal, and that sums up Cade right there to me, giving his horse to his sister. That's pretty cool, I think. Speaking of kids competing at a high level, uh, <laughs> what about just watching Caden and seeing his success at, at a young age too? I mean, I go head-to-head -head with him plenty in the non-pro, and he's as tough as anybody. And, and to me, I feel like I was always trying to be one of those kids growing up that was trying to whoop up on the older people, and I feel like I'm one of the older people now with Cade down there whooping up on me. And uh, just tell us what that means to you as well. Oh, it's great. You know, I mean, Cade, Cade's always been the little boy that wanted to come to the barn. I mean, when he was, when he, as soon as he could ride, <clears throat> he wanted to come to the barn with me. And, I mean, I can remember back when Ben Johnson, Randall Ward, those guys worked for me. He, he, we'd be out there penning cows in the morning before the sun came up, and he loved it. He loved, he loved turning back. He loved every, everything about it. And he, you know, he, he gives a lot of effort to it. And that, that's what it takes. And, you know, the things that he's accomplished are really cool, but my favorite part of that success is that the hard work he's put in, he sees why that happens, why you do good, and it's great to accomplish things, but I love to see him see hard work pays off, and, and you know, to watch your kid do good, like I said, it's incredible. Well, I think we saw some of that hard work pay off. We've seen Cade come and win events here on some kind of highbrow, twistful thinking, whether it be the Derby or the Super Stakes. But last year, man, he finally got that non-pro fraternity title. Um, what would that mean to you guys as a family to see that hard work kind of kind of come to fruition here at the, the premier event in our sport? You know, it's incredible. Everybody wants to win the fraternity. I was lucky enough to do that. To watch your kid do that is just incredible. You know, I mean, I, I, we bought that mare as a yearling. My dad and I partnered on her. And I uh, ended up buying him out early in her three-year-old year. And uh, Kate kind of helped me train her. And, um, you know, it was kind of a thing with him and my dad, too. So that was even neater. Twistful thinking was the same way. Uh, my dad trained her all the way through. And, you know, at that time, Kate was a good bit younger. Uh, and, and, you know, he and Dad, they'd, they'd go work her together. I wouldn't even go, you know. And then they'd go eat together. And they spent a lot of time together. So that was really neat when he won events and they had done that together. But, you know, such a great mare. And, and you know, it's such a hard show. And I realize he's had success, but it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a timing thing. Everything fits. You do your job. They do their job. Everything falls into place. So he had made the semis, I think, five years in a row before that and never even made the finals. So I was tickled that he made the finals on two horses, but I guess him being my kid, he wasn't happy till he won. <laughs> made it on Barney Ross, too. That's one of my favorite favorite horse names oh, yeah. that, was, that was going last year. I love that horse. <laughs> Oh, but, yeah, we've talked about the Shepherd kids reigning in the cutting pin. Let's talk a little bit about, first and foremost, that first Open Fraternity Championship, Highbrow CD, um, what he's done in the breeding shed here the last couple of years, uh, go, speaks for itself. Um, talk a little bit about Wendell um, training him, showing him here at this uh, NCHA Fraternity back in 2007. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd like to take a lot of credit for training him, but honestly, I just kind of stay out of his way, and that sounds kind of cliche and silly. But he was that good a horse, and he was that smart a horse. And, and I've gotten to ride a lot of outstanding horses, but he's still the greatest horse that I've rode. Um, you know, and he really wasn't even my best three-year-old until about spring. 
uh, Gerald Alexander started him, did our whole deal for him, and um, he told us that fall he thought he'd make a really good non-pro horse. He's kind of lazy, didn't really, you know, really spark your interest that much. He moved good, but felt like he was kind of giving you half effort. And about spring, he he figured out. I think he figured out why he was doing it, and 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 he found a purpose in it. And when he did, he was just lights out every day. Uh, I, I can remember Stacy coming to the barn in September. You know, she came down about mid-morning. Well, how were the Futurity horses? And I said, I wish the Futurity was tomorrow. And you'll never hear a horse trainer say that. But I just don't want to mess him up. Jeez. He was that good. And so many days I'd work him on one cow, you know, and you were like, you know, if, if you ever – I may have had three bad works on him his entire career, and it was probably because he was so smart that I couldn't keep up with what he was doing. What do you remember about the go-rounds, that fraternity, if anything? You know, <laughs> I mean, I went to Brett Davis's pre-work, and he had seen the horse. He'd watched me work him. He knew what he was. He came to my house that fall. We worked together. And at the pre-work, first day, he's outstanding, three-day work. The next day, for some reason, he just wasn't very good. That's one of those works that it just wasn't very good. And that afternoon, man, I was pouted up. I mean, I was not in a good mood. And he said, what's wrong? I said, well, that, that's the best horse I've ever ridden in my life. i got to show him. I was the first day. And i got to show him in two days. And now everything just went downhill. He said, I'll be fine. See how he is tomorrow. Well, I mean, I crack out of the herd on him. And you could have marked a 76 and an open cutting on him. And I just quit. And he said, see, you, at least you didn't have to do that the day you showed him. He got into a little bit of trouble. He responded, you're ready. And, uh, you know, I took him over there, worked him on about two cows in the practice pen. Ben Johnson always got him ready. Uh, he never won a cutting that Ben didn't get him ready, including the champion's cutting. And that was from when Ben quit working for me and then just came back. And I told him I was showing Wendell in the champion's cutting. But, um, you know, I went over there, worked two cows. I was ready. Uh, Bob Wendell, who raised him, came over there and watched me work him. And he knew what kind of horse he was. And, um you know, I went in there and marked a 21 or 2, whatever it was. And I remember that afternoon sitting up there watching cows with Bill Riddle. And Bill Freeman came kind of strutting in, you know, about midday. And who marked 22? And Bill Riddle said, well, that that kid there marked 22 on some 9-year-old highbrow cat stud because he ain't three. <laughs> you, know, I, uh, you know, I remember when I came out, I was so nervous, so wound up. I couldn't – my mouth was so dry. And I told Bob Wendell – I said, I've, I've got to go get a bottle of water. And every time I showed that horse in Will Rogers, which which Bob passed away later after he was retired, Bob would be standing right there at that trash can with a bottle of water for me. <laughs> every time I showed it, didn't matter, it didn't matter when. So, <laughs> With highbrow CD and being able to dominate with him the majority of the time when you went and showed, did that cause more pressure to yourself just just – making sure that you knew that you just had to go in there and do, do your part or did was it having him make it a little simpler for you to just go and show you, you know I always thought when I was starting off in this if I ever had a horse like that I'd see those horses that people showed and I thought man how easy would this be if I had Tapalina you know if I had little Tanana how awesome would that be and it's awesome but I don't care if I show that horse at a $200 added weekend cutting or the finals of the fraternity, I was just as nervous every time I walked to the herd because I knew how good he was, and I didn't want to lose. He, You know, I won the fraternity, obviously, 
went to Augusta, won Augusta, and I went to Memphis. And Glenn Allen had a very, very, very good mare that year, a uh, special new kitty, and she was outstanding. And, and she was probably the favorite to win the fraternity, and things didn't work out. But, you know, he was, he was second on her there, and, and I, won, I won Tunica on her too. And then we went to the Super Stakes. I made it back on the bubble. Corey Pounds and I tied. And um, the next morning, we were going to the Cotton Stakes straight. That was when the Cotton Stakes was in the spring. And um, I was at Brett Davis's house, and I turned him out in the trap right beside Brett's house and uh, went to get him out of the trap, and his jaw was swollen up. Well, he had strangles, and I didn't realize it. And so we sent him straight to the vet, got him taken care of. And um, so he missed the BI, or the cotton stakes, obviously. And then he missed the BI and uh, came back. I guess he came back into training probably two weeks before I showed him at the Derby. So wow. not going to say that, that wow. I could have held that cow, but it really wasn't fair for him. He didn't really have a legitimate shot at the Triple Crown. That's crazy. Fun that's fact, the chatter with you and Corey Pounds when you won the Super Stakes, that's the first cutting horse chatter I ever looked at. <laughs> fun fact. So fun you had a hand well, I'm sorry hand Corey up. was on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more – I'm kind of that, – that's a, that's, a, that's a cool story about the, the well, derby. It's, and it's way cool too because, I mean, I remember being a fan and like – Just I was, not knowing that part. Yeah, I was still living in California. I was going to high school and – Shown on the West Coast, but I always kept up with everything, and and I remember right before the Derby, everybody was talking about it because you had tied Corey at the Super Stakes, and I remember you losing the cow in the first go round, and mm-hmm. and then now knowing this, it's like oh my goodness, like yeah, but that's how awesome of a horse he was to come back and even be able to compete two weeks. I mean, after being oh, yeah. off for that long, and and then coming back and and being able to at least go down there. That, that horse loved to win. I can tell you that now. He loved to win, and, and we can – my dad's always been one to tell me, don't give a horse too much credit for thinking what you think. Try to understand them. But I'm telling you, that horse loved to win. He, he, he did. Uh, he had a whole different level working him at home that he did showing him, and he just – he needed just a situation. So the year 2017 was a pretty big year for the Circle S crew. You guys traveled a lot of miles. Um, Went to a lot of different places to show, um, had a lot of success. Um, first, talk a little bit about, um, we'll, we'll talk about the 2017 Open Futurity Championship here in a bit, but let's talk about deluxe checks. And you won some world titles and hauled horses like Thomas E. Hughes before before you hauled her. But what did that year mean to you? Um, to me, I think it's super impressive, both you and Tatum being able to Hall for world titles and still get your young horses trained and shown at a super high level at the NCHA fraternity. So talk a little bit about that year and, and the hard work and determination that went into attaining those goals in the year 2017. Well, you know, uh, as far as winning the world, and uh, Tatum doesn't believe me, but I just started off showing that mare just to try to get her in the top 15 and everything went well. But uh, he, th- he thought I was lying to him. He, he told me at Vegas, I guess, about, I don't know, J- June, I guess it was. He said, okay, you got enough to be in the top 15. You can go home now, you know. But, um, you know, it was a great year. I mean, we, we obviously got to be really good friends, spent a lot of time together. And um, she was just such a fantastic mare. I mean, she was everything that a horse you're supposed to haul is she's she was sound big strong didn't mind any situation every time i ever asked her she anted up and uh 
you know, and it was great to do it for the Standishes. They're really good friends of ours. I mean, if I didn't have a horse for them, I'd still be friends with them. Uh, it's not a it's not a thing where, you know, you're friends with them because of their business. They're just good people, and they're like family to us. And you know, that mare, uh, she was started in our two-year-old program. Uh, Randall Ward started her, and then I trained her. I actually showed her at small fraternities because at that time the Standishes were not really to the point where they could show a fraternity horse. They had just kind of started cutting. And, um, you know, we shared her a little bit. Brett made the Super Stakes finals on her. I made some finals on her. Had a pretty good four-year-old year, year five-year-old year. And then Amanda got pregnant with her daughter. And she told me at the beginning of 2017, just win as much as you can win. We're going to stay off of her, do what you can do. And I didn't have an open horse. And I thought, well, I'll just go show her. Well, it just kind of took off. And, you know, we went to every cutting we could go to. And then it got competitive. And, you know, you want to win. I mean, I've hauled a lot of horses through the years, probably, I don't know, I probably made the top 15 in the Open 12 or 15 times, and I don't know, it's in my blood, and it may not ever get out, I don't know, but once you start doing it, I mean, you can look at Tim Smith this year, once once you start doing it, you get after it, you know, and uh, she, she took the whole deal really good, uh, and Tatum and I worked together a lot that year, you know, you're at a weekend show, stuck off in the middle of nowhere, and there's some cows, you work together, you know, and uh, learned a lot from each other, and you know, Dual Race was such a, he was such a good horse. He was such a fun horse to train, show, still is. And, um, you know, I, I just tried to spend time on him. Cade spent a lot of time on him. Um, both Cades. Yeah, both Cades. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness the first one did too. Talk about Dual Race and coming to the fraternity and knowing you had a good horse like that. And, I mean, I remember everyone talking about him and, whether it was being at home and, hey, dual races and two more horses, or I remember coming in and watching both your first and your second second go runs on that horse. And, and just everybody seeing that video of him as a two-year-old and, yeah. and knowing the kind of horse he was. I remember, I mean, I watched Cade work him. I live right next door to Jamie, and Cade was over there working him at Jamie's one day, and I was just, like, amazed at how good this two-year-old was. Oh, yeah. And uh, just talk about that. You know, um, I was at the area workoffs in March that year showing, and Greg Smith called me, and he said, I've got a horse you need to come try. I think he would really fit you. You know, and, I mean, Greg's not the salesman, rip-you-off kind of guy. I figured if he said it, I needed to come do it. And I said, well, I'll be out there for the Super Stakes. Nobody buys him. He said, well, everybody in Weatherford's trying him, but they just they don't fit him. And I said, okay, well, I get out here, and, I throw my back out, and uh, me and Cade and Stacy and Kayla, we drive out there to Cade's, watch him work, and I mean, he was very good. And uh, kind of what impressed me, when he got done, he had a Kit Kat Sugar that year, the same age, had the same mare, and um, my Cade, after he worked dual race, my Cade was sitting on the other one, they swapped horses, got ready to come back, and Cade Smith said, here, let, let me... Let me have him. So he led one stud off of another stud, and not, neither one of them said a word. And I thought, okay, when my back gets better, i got to try this horse. And I try him there, the I think, the semifinals day of the Super Stakes. And uh, uh, Billy Wolf buys him, and I didn't know Billy at the time, and uh, but bought him. And, uh, you know, he was, just, he was just a fun horse. He was a little bit of work there for a while, but it's what makes him good. You know, he, he had a little in him, and, you know, when it's time to take over, he's still got that in him. But as far as showing him the first go of the fraternity, I mean, I, I felt like we were ready. Lord knows he 
on the road was his home that year, so he really didn't uh, – nothing really bothered him, you know, as far as new sites and places. But, you know, that first go-around, I just wanted to trot him up there and cut, you know. And, 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 I, and I think that, you know, I think hauling a horse like that, it gets you in a groove showing. And when I went and showed that horse, I feel like I showed him more confidently because, you know, when you go show on the weekends and you show five, six, seven horses a day, you get pretty comfortable down there, yeah. you know. And, uh, uh, you know, he was he was just outstanding every round. First go-around, you know, I, I don't know, marked a 22 or something and won the go-around. And then the second go-around, the cattle were really terrible that year. They were all the little black baldies from some ranch. And, I drew last, and they were awful. And Wesley Gallion told me when I got here, he said, I was last in a bunch. He said, you know, the second go-around, you're the only horse that made the semis being the last horse. Wow. And uh, I remember sitting up there watching those cows, and Ronnie Rice texted me. He said, you know, keep look for reruns because these aren't very good. I was helping Gary Bellenfont. He was the horse right in front of me. And as soon as Gary had like a 16-and-a-half, as soon as he gets done, he doesn't even look at the scoreboard, and I think he rides straight over there to me. And he says, you need to cut that cow. And he showed me a cow, and it's a cow we had talked about with him. He said, that, that's a good cow. You need to cut that cow. And I cut that cow, and I cut two reruns. And, um, you know, when the semis, when the finals. Uh, I was within, Phil Rapp told me this, I didn't realize it, but I was within a half point the second go-around of doing what Shorty Freeman did. He's the only person to ever win the NCHA Derby, which I won that on Sir Longlegs that year. Then to win all four go-arounds at the Futurity and the World Championship wow. in the same year. Wow. So that was pretty That was pretty neat. You know, I didn't realize that. but And you were reserve on Sir Longlegs at the Futurity. Was that the year, year before, before that? Yeah. yeah. I remember interviewing you right after you were reserved there and just how excited and elated you were for, for Lou Hall and just uh, finally Lou Hall having a horse that you'd brought to the Futurity that you'd done good on. So, um what about Bet He's a Cat? Talk a little bit about him, what he was like to be around. You know, he was just a really, really cool horse. Um, I trained a horse for Gary Rosenbach years ago named Bet CD that was out of Betcher Blue Boons by CD Olena. And um, right before we came to the Futurity, that was actually the same year I had Wendell in 2007. They had an ad in the chat or whatever, and it had this picture of Bet He's a Cat. He was a yearling. Uh, got him Teddy Price from Louisiana, owned him. And uh, I just, I loved the way he looked and I always wanted to train another horse out of bet. And so I got here and I bumped into Jim Ware and I said, what about this colt that Lindy's got? He looks really good in that picture. He said, I think he's one of the nicest yearlings I've ever seen. He said, you get a couple guys to go in. And he said, let's, let's let, as a syndicate, let's buy him. So I go out there to Lindy's, look at him. And the two guys that I kind of, got to be partners on my end was a guy named Lynn Davis who's a good friend of ours uh, and uh, Buster Quirk and it wasn't that I liked any customer better or whatever but I thought they were good men and they wanted to be involved we went and looked at him everybody was in we had a big meeting uh, the night before the sale at that time Jim owned Western Bloodstock and uh, you know we all agreed that we would go to 400,000 and he was the one, I was the one that was supposed to bid on him. And I said, what if he goes over 400000 And said, well, Jim said, come down to the auction block and we'll figure something out. <laughs> so um, kind of a funny story about that. Mr. Ray Smith that runs the Southern Futurity, he knows a horse very well. And I walked down the steps and Betty's a cat's walking in there as a yearling. And uh, I said, Mr. Ray, what do you think of this colt? 
He said, man, I don't see how you can make one any better. I said, well, I like him. What do you think he's worth? And now you have to realize at that time, Yearlings, a yearling bring 100, 200,000 wasn't anything. Times were really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, just instantly he goes to about 200,000. And I just kind of sit there, and we get to about 300, and I start bidding on him. Every time I'd bid, Mr. Ray turned around and look at me, you know, what are you doing, you know? We get to about 350, and they're looking at me asking for the next bid. I said, Mr. A, do you really like this colt? He said, well, I like him, but don't bid on him just because I told you to. (laughs) 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 But but we buy him for 400, buy him, everything's good, you know, and and take him home, start him. Ben Johnson worked for me at the time. He started him. And, uh, you know, very nice horse to train, a lot of fun. I uh, didn't do any good at the fraternity, and I really think I didn't do good at the fraternity it was because he kind of figured me out. I think I liked him too much. I didn't train him. I didn't discipline him like, you know, about like raising a kid. But uh, I liked him too much. And uh, showed him his four-year-old year, had a good year on him, and uh, just decided as a five-year-old it would do him a lot of good to haul him. And uh, that was really his lick. He loved it, you know, which his mother was the same way. And he just got uh, – to me, he was better the last run of the year than he was the first run. And uh, his Colts seem to be doing good. Four sixes have him, and it's, it turned out to be a success story. This interview on the Section K podcast with two-time Open Fraternity champion Mr. Austin Shepard is brought to you by Dennis Moreland Tack. Tack handcrafted by Cowboys for Cowboys for 43 years and counting. Since 76, Dennis has built high-quality Tack for training, working, and showing. Get the best. Get your Tack at Dennis Moreland Tack. Visit www. .dmtac.com. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You end up being the 2011 Open World Champion aboard Bet He's a Cat, but then you guys brought him back for the Champions Cup. You mentioned that earlier on in our conversation. First of all, Buster Welch showed Bet He's a Cat. If, if the people don't remember that, that was one of my favorite cuttings that's ever taken place in the Will Rogers Coliseum. I thought that event as a whole was just a spectacle in and of itself. Um, but talk about first Buster Welch and what he's meant to you as a horseman and, and what he's meant to your family. But talk talk about what it meant to you to have Buster come and show Bet He's a Cat at that Champions Cup that year. Well, you know, my dad, we, we obviously, did, we didn't come from horse training people. I mean, uh, not, nobody in my family but my dad has anything to do with horses. And, uh, you know, when he first started, he was a professional. Uh, went on started he worked for the state of Alabama as a vocational teacher and he trained horses at night and then he had some more people that said he should do it so he quit his job at the state with you know good benefits stuff like that because he wasn't happy and he wanted to train horses well he just he got to be friends with Buster and and to Buster's credit you know he really didn't have to let a guy he didn't really know at all come to his house work horses help him but he did and, uh, you know, and that's influenced our family all the way down. I mean, if he hadn't taught my dad, I don't know where we would be, you know, and, and dad passed down those things to me. I've passed them down to Cade. And, um, you know, his, what, he, what he's done for our sport, if anybody here, whether it's a fraternity horse, a great big story about a fraternity horse, or if it's those world finals over there, you've been influenced by Buster Welch. You may not know it. It may be the saddle you ride in. Uh, you know, maybe a flat-seated saddle that he started cutting in that nobody cut in, everybody cut in roping saddles, you know. It, it may be a guy that taught your trainer, but Buster Welts influenced you, and he's influenced my family for three generations. 
um, it, it's incredible what he's done. But, um, you know, Buster not only helping my dad was great, but the, the champions cutting was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, they called me back in the fall early, and the the lady said, you know, we, we're asking all the past fraternity champions if their horse is sound, if they won the fraternity on, if they would show them again. You know, and Tag showed Chiquita's pistol. I mean, I know a lot of the horses couldn't make it, but uh, we ended up showing Highbrow CD. And, um, you know, Lindy called me that year I was hauling him. It was the next to last weekend of the year. We were in Batesville, Mississippi, and she called me one day. She said, so Buster, he's going to show in the champion's cutting. And Shannon's got him a nice horse to show. But what would you think about him showing Betty's cat? I said, I think that would be like the biggest, I mean, that would just be crazy for that to happen, you know. Uh, compliment, I guess, to, to me and my horse. And So anyhow, we went to Silverado. We left after that night, went straight to Silverado, showed three days, which is a very fast bend. We've all cut in there and open cutting, trying to beat a 76, you know, and it was pretty wide open. So we leave the last day and we go to Lindy's. And we get out to Lindy's, Buster's there, and uh, we visit a little bit. We're down there kind of by our barn, and uh, she gets on this horse, he gets on this horse, and you know, he's had a stroke, he can't use his right foot, have to help him up on the horse, strap him in with a seatbelt, and the arena's kind of straight uphill. Well, just as soon as he points toward this arena, he just kicks him with his left foot and takes off at like a high trot. And we break into this arena, and he never slows down. He just takes off at a run, loping a circle, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? My horse running off? I didn't think he would. but And me and, me and Landy, we get in there, and Phil Rapp came over. I told him that, you know, that we, we were going to do it, and he said, man, I'd love to come witness that. So uh, Landy settled the cattle. We get in there. All of us get on turnback horses. Great big arena. And the first cow that just takes off and runs, he just takes off after it. And he works it a little bit. And then all of a sudden he just stops and he slumped over, um, you know, and he starts waving to me, like to come down there. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I killed Buster Welch, you know. <laughs> I ride down there and he kind of pulls himself up. He said, hey, he's, he's getting a little flat on the right. Do you mind if I pulled him up there a little bit? I said, he, you do whatever you want to. And I told Phil, I said, I, I thought something was wrong with him, but he figured out my horse in about four turns, and that's been his whole all year, you know. So he works him a little bit. We agree to do it again later. We go back the next time. It's really good. And, uh, you know, he comes down to comes down for that night, you know, and, and, and I'm going to show him in the world finals that night. That's the same year I won the world on him. And he, uh, I'm, I'm in a golf cart right out here fixing to leave Will Rogers. I'm there. That's when they pre-settled the cattle over there. And it was so, I remember it was so windy that day. I bet the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour. And he gets out of somebody's car and he's got a cane and he's kind of staggering across the street, and his hat goes to blow off. So I walk up to him, Buster, what are you doing? He says, well, i got to get my tickets from ladies for my family. I said, well, let me help you. So I take him in there. We get his tickets. He said, well, I said, have you done your interview for the video? You know, they, they did that little DVD where they interviewed everybody. But I didn't know anything about it. I said, well, come on, let's go do it. And we walk across this exhibit hall over here, and I bet 40 people stop him, and he knew everybody's name. He knew something about him. How's your Uncle Bob doing? Which, I'm not that guy. I can meet somebody, and two minutes later, I don't remember your name. So we get over there. Red Steagall's over there. We have a little book we have to sign right there. I think they auctioned it off and had all the pretty champions, you know, and we, we, we autograph it. And he sits down, and 
you know, the interviewer guy says, well, what horse you won the first fraternity on? And he says, you know, whatever horse. And we, and he gets to the second fraternity and he turns around and looks at me and he said, so what was that horse's name I won the second fraternity on? <laughs> Which was about 30 years before I was born. So I kind of shuffled over there to that book and went to looking through those pages and told him who it was, you know. And we got to about the fourth fraternity champion and he stopped that guy. He said, you know, he said, I don't want to do this. So what's wrong? He said, well, I just feel like I'm bragging. I, you know, I understand what I did, but I don't want to brag. And Red Steagall was there, and they're good friends. And he said, you know, it's not bragging if you did it. People want to know it. Just tell them what it is. So he finished his interview, and uh, we came back to the exhibit all. Same thing. Every other person stopped him. He knew everybody. And he said, I'm getting tired. I want to go sit down. So there was a line. I don't know if you all were over here that night, but there was a line that went from the Coliseum all the way to the exhibit hall. I said, well, let me, so I called Dave Bryan. I said, Buster's tired. Can we go in there and sit in his seats? Oh, yeah. So we started around this crowd. I said, come on, let's go down there. He said, well, I don't need to skip all these people. You know, they've been waiting out here. He said, I should stand in line. I said, no, they, they came here to watch you. So let, let, let's just ease on around there. So we watched them settle cows. And, and really the neatest thing about that was past maturity champions were in there watching them pre-settle the cattle. And, and I'm talking about guys like Gary Bellinfont, Larry Reeder, guys like that, Leon Harrell, Tom Lyons, and they came down there, and you could just see it on their face. That was their hero, and that was really cool to me because they were mine. And yeah. um, you know, we sat there, watched cows. Then, and that evening was just, it was incredible. You know, he asked my dad what he liked. Right, for, my dad used to help him. You know, the latter part of his career, and my dad told him two cows. And I mean, he went, he hadn't even watched a cow. He'd been loping that horse. He went right down there and cut those two cows. So that's that's just him. Well, I think it's really cool that you talk about those stories about Buster because fortunately last year I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. But Cody Porterfield, that's uh, kind of one of the one of the guys that taught Cody how to train and just about cutting in general. And we were fortunate enough to go right before the fraternity last year and work some horses. Uh, Buster brought a load of cattle to the Nolan County Coliseum and he sat there and critiqued Porterfield. And I I turned back and. I've never been so nervous in my life watching Porterfield settle a set of cows because you know how it is when you're settling cows when Buster's there. You better do it the way Buster wants it no done. Way. Or I remember he called me over there, did the same thing, kind of tucked his head and, Caden, come over here. Made sure I knew where those cows needed to be and where, most importantly, where they didn't need to be. No so, way. man, that's that's one of the most unforgettable experiences that I'll ever have and no championship or any kind of award at any kind of show will will compare to that day that we had just working horses in the Nolan County Coliseum, the home of the first fraternity with the godfather of the sport. So I can't wait to go and watch that statue or the, the, the sculpture become uh, get unveiled here uh, coming up during this fraternity. What, what's that mean to you to see uh, Will Rogers uh, going ahead and, and giving the nod for that for that? Uh, big statue that's going to go up well it, it it's it's i mean it's history in the making i mean it's it's you know to me this coliseum i know they have the stock show which i've never been to rodeo obviously that's a huge deal but for us the fraternity made will rogers what's special for us and buster welch made the fraternity so i think it, there's no other person that would be more worthy of that honor to have a statue out there um you know, he, he's the kind of guy that while he's with us, we need to let him know that we appreciate him. So that's a good way to do it. 
how much did it mean you and your dad and Cade going and Brandon with him earlier this year, um, staying in your tent? <laughs> yes, Buster Fre- still runs a Brandon. <laughs> Freezing a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. You know, I was supposed to do it last spring. Actually, Porterfield was supposed to go with us. Corey was going, and uh, doesn't happen very often in that part of the world. But it got rained out, and uh, so we didn't go. And Buster was pretty disappointed. And uh, the place where we branded. You know, he told me, he said, I really want your dad to come because right after I started leasing this place, your dad and I were the first ones to ever ride it. Uh, like I said, dad used to go out there pretty regular when I was a kid. And um, finally got it worked out. He, he called me back this fall and said he was going to have a brand in this fall. And so I just really, you know, I've got the cotton stakes. I've got, you know, the southern. I've got fraternity horses. I've got this, that, and the other. I said, when do you want to have it? He said, well, tell me when you want to have it. And I thought, okay, I'm not getting out of this anymore, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and so I told him I could come on these dates, and they also wanted to f- finish up some parts of Charlie's films, or I don't want to call it Charlie's film, but um, the film about cutting horse. And I thought, well, that'd be a very important thing to go be a part of. So we left the Southern Fraternity. My dad and Kate and I left, and uh, drove part of the way, drove the rest of the way the next day. And we, uh, you know, we get out there, and Buster's in his office out there, and. You've been in there, you know, you go in there and there's all the pictures, all the autographed pictures, you know, and I sent him one, Dad sent him one, tons of people. That was really neat, sit around and visit with him. And we worked horses that afternoon, which was really neat. Probably the neatest part of that was watching uh, Buster settle the cows. Uh, We turned about 30 ahead of these, about the prettiest Black Angus replacement efforts you'd ever want to see. And they were a little fuller fuller self. he told Dad, he said, you go sit over there. And he told me, he said, you go sit over there and you other guys get back over here. And with a camera crew standing in the arena in about three minutes, he had them all just standing around there licking their lips, you know. So he knows what he's doing still, you know, which that was really cool to watch that. And uh, we worked horses, you know, and, and there was a, a fellow there that was trying to learn how to cut. And uh, he sat with Buster. Uh, James from the King Ranch, he sat over there and, and uh, we – kind of tried to help him a little bit he's kind of learning you know and super good guy and the king ranch is also very involved in that film which is the way it should be but uh as i was working a horse one of his horses i would do something and he would tell that guy why i did it and it was exactly why i did it you know so you look over there and think well there's you know poor old buster and he knew what i was doing when i was doing it why i was doing it and uh Corey and uh, Joe Tom, his son, got there that afternoon, and we all went out to the to the camp there, and uh, you know, at the wagon, and ate dinner. And Buster and Ken and uh, John Welch, Bob Welch, that helped Charlie with the film, they all were there, and you know, we sat around and told stories. That was a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, we got in those teepees, and uh, I, I I figured out two things. I, I'm I'm not a real cowboy, and I don't want to be one, because <laughs> it was about 35 degrees, and about midnight I woke up and think, thank God, it's time to get out of this teepee. Yeah, I, I, I was out at the 06 ranch that same weekend, and I remember telling my buddy Stephen Lacey, like, hey man, we're staying in the bunkhouse, right? <laughs> we're going to stay in the bunkhouse, right? Come they on. thought it was pretty funny, yeah. and about 4 o'clock I finally heard the cook making a fire, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go make friends with the cook. <laughs> but it was an awesome experience. Uh, we, we gathered the cattle there that day, and we had a roundup, and uh, got the dries out and that stuff, and uh, the Cogdell boys were both there. They were, you know, of course they were right at home, and um, Shannon Hall, his group was there, and just the whole deal was really neat. It was a lot of fun. 
So you've had some pretty big-time customers over the years um, here recently since I've gotten to know you. Um, there's a set of sisters that have been hauling down the road with you pretty regularly and another force to be reckoned with in those non-pro cuttings. Blakely Colgrove and Madeline Colgrove. Blakely went ahead and won the show championship over here in the world finals on Catman Blue. But what it, what are, what's the Colgrove family like and, and how awesome are they to be around, Joel included? Yeah, they're, they're wonderful people. I, I started riding horses for the Colgrove family uh, probably about 2011. Uh, the girls were hauling in like the novice non-pro classes, and Joel was coming to Batesville a lot, and uh, I got to riding some horses for him then. But my dad rode horses for Joel probably 20 years ago uh, when, obviously, it was just him showing. Uh, he was really good friends with Spencer Harden, and uh, my dad was a very good friend of Spencer. Dad helped Spencer win the f- open fraternity back in the 80s, whenever that was, 89 or somewhere right in there. But uh, he kind of sent Joel to Dad and said, I have a really good guy. He's from Alabama. You need to get to know him. And I remember, uh, I don't think Stacy and I were even married. And uh, we might have been if we were. We were newlyweds and went to Augusta. Dad worked. Joel's horse he made the finals Stacy loped it and I turned back for him so we've known each other a long time and they're wonderful people I mean when I first started with Joel those girls were probably eight nine ten years old I'd guess and um, you know they're like family to us they're wonderful people Joel would do anything in the world for me and my family my kids and uh, those girls are like our own you know And, and they've done great we're really proud of all the success they've had and you know I mean they're like watching our own kids do well so it's sure fun to watch Joel show. I wish he could get off of work a little more to work now, but he's a workaholic. But uh, he loves it as much as anybody you've ever seen. He also likes supporting cutting as a whole with um, having the open world champion this year that Taryn showed. And and uh, he's he's always there with his Carhartt jacket and his safety glasses on, and, and he's ready to watch uh, watch the girls show or watch you show or watch his horses show, and it's – it's awesome to see a guy like that. Talk about your dad and what the influence has been to you. And I mean, you're one of the best showmen out there. I mean, and trainer, showman, you can kind of do it all. But I mean, I always see you in the practice pen talking to your dad still and uh, just how much he means to you and how much help he has given you along the years. And your kids, too, because I was talking to Sam yesterday and he's sure pumped about Kaylee and Cade that's for sure <laughs> yeah I think if I was the only one that made the semis he'd have already gone home by now <laughs> in fact I think if it was me and Cade he might have left but he's gonna stay for Kaylee but uh, yeah I mean like I said I mean we, we didn't come from horse people and uh, my dad kind of stuck his neck out on what he loved and it changed the direction of our entire life you know uh, for three generations now and I'm sure it'll keep going but um you know, he he's taught me so much, you know, I mean, both all your dads taught you how to get on a horse and ride around, you know, how to put a halter on. And, 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 and from that point to where I got to where I wanted to learn, probably the best thing my dad for me, did for me, or one of the best things to help me learn, he wasn't the kind of guy that wanted to dominate the way I did things. He, he wanted me to learn from the guys that I learned from. And I, and I took a lot from a lot of different people. I mean, a lot of different people. I mean, Ronnie Rice, Buster Welch, Kobe Wood, John Talbert. I can sit here for an hour and tell you all the guys that I learned something from and they influenced the way I did things. But he was okay with that. And if I did things different from the way he did it, 
he was okay with it. He wanted me to be as good as I can be. Um, and still his basic, you know, his, his basic premise that he always taught me, the thing that he always taught me was to make a horse comfortable on a cow. And every time I get in a bind, which we all do, no matter who thinks we are or who we think we are, we get in a bind, and I go back to that, to the relationship between a horse and a cow. And when that horse feels comfortable, you can go show it. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's done so much for our family to put us in a position to learn when, I mean, honestly, you know, I probably should have been a football player. Or, I don't know. I might have worked on a trash truck. I don't know what I'd have done. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he's put me in a position to learn, and, I'm, and I still learn from him. So before we let you go, I'd be a fool not to ask you about the horse you're in the semis on, Countess Katrina. The owners are Amanda and Ryan Standish. Uh, talk a little bit about that horse and what. Full sister to two deluxe checks, correct? Yep, she is. Uh, so uh, Katrina Starlight, her mother and deluxe checks' his mother, um, is the first horse that I ever bought for the Standishes. They were actually, they started cutting with Keith DeVille in Louisiana. And Keith called me one day. He said, I have these really nice people. They can afford to buy a nice horse. They want a mare. Look for a really good, well-bred mare that would breed. I always loved that mare. Obviously, everybody loves Stella Starlight. Bruce Marine and Locke showed, and she was an outstanding horse. And Locke's whole breeding program came from her mother, grandmother, the whole thing. And so we, we buy this mare. Keith shows it a little bit. They bring her to me at the end of her age event career. And, um, you know, we, we, we have bred her, and she's been incredible. But this, this mare, being a full sister, uh, we kept her back. Uh, Charlie Anderson that uh, rides my two-year-olds at home he uh he started her she's been a good horse all along and uh, you know about about this summer she just got better i mean she's uh she's everything that you would want to you know a fraternity horse to be she's smart gutsy cowy quick enough the whole deal and you know i just try to try to keep her as prepared as i can and get her shown what are uh some of your most favorite runs that you've had on any of the horses that you showed over the years and then some runs that uh you watched that were awesome that on horses that you didn't show you know there was i mean there's been quite a few i mean the fraternity champion runs those are those are a lot of fun yeah you know uh the runs in the champions cup were really fun showing highbrow cd there uh, you know, there's been quite a few. Um, you know, the first two nights of the World Finals on Deluxe Checks, uh, March 233 both nights, and that was obviously a lot of fun. Uh, the finals of the Congress, Tatum and I were pretty much neck and neck, and he had some trouble that night, and got marked at 230 that night on Deluxe Checks and won that. So that kind of put me in the driver's seat for the World Championship, which we had gone quite a bit for. Winning the Derby on Sir Longlegs was really special uh, because – you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm competitive, and I'd won the fraternity. I'd won the four-year-old and the five- and six-year-old at the Super Stakes. I'd won the five- and six-year-old at the Derby, and um, I was second at the Derby. I'd never won the Derby on uh, on Widow's Intentions that Robert Middleton, Lauren's daddy, owns or owned at the time. And uh, Cat Itchy, I marched 23, and guy marched like a 25, 26, whatever. And I always wanted to win the Derby, and I just couldn't do it. So it was really neat, and I was the last horse. So. Yeah. When it was over, I knew I'd won it, you know. Uh, 
the, the very first win that I had in Will Rogers Super Stakes, I was the last horse in the five six finals on Widow's Intentions, and um, I think Darren Simpkins, I don't think he'd mark like a twenty three or twenty four on Ray's Dual Badger, and you know, I worked two cows to the whistle and was able to win that. Last run on Widow's Freckles at the World Finals in Amarillo, I knew it was going to be his last run, and I don't even remember what I marked, like a twenty eight or something. But it was, you know, there's so many great memories. I I can't really name yeah. one. Um, you know, and as far as great runs, you know, sitting over there watching Winston's run at the Futurity on CDO Lena, that was, that still may be the best run I've ever seen. Uh, that was pretty incredible. Uh, you know, God, there was so many, so many good runs, you know, so many great horses. Don't look twice had a dozen runs you could put against any horse that ever lived. Um, you know, and what I still think is probably the best open horse I've ever seen, uh, Rosie's Lena, that Robert Rust showed. And nobody in the world could show him but Robert Rust. But uh, I saw him have some runs that were just incredible. I, I remember we hauled together against, you know, against each other, with each other. And I think he won like 15 or 18 open cuttings in a row on him. And he would just lope him to the judges' stand and beat you. It didn't matter. He was He was bulletproof on that horse. But... I mean, so many great runs, great horses, great memories. It's hard to pin it down to just a few. But yeah. Also, before we go, what's your wife mean to your program, Stacy Shepard? Oh, Stacy's everything. I mean, we, we when we started dating, uh, you know, she worked for my dad. And, uh, you know, Stacy was in the 2000, you know, showing, learning, whatever. And, uh, you know, we get married and she ends up showing all the way to the Hall of Fame and, which was great. She had a lot of great runs and everything and with the kids and everything. But Stacy can she can pretty well pick apart something that I'm doing wrong or a horse is doing wrong. And right in the heat of the moment, it may not go that well. But later on, if I'll just kind of listen to it, it makes me better. And, uh, you know, she doesn't say it just to pick on me. But uh, at the time, it feels like it. But, uh, but, but, you know, and she does the same thing to Cade, does the same thing to Kaylee. You know, and everybody kind of puffs up and blows her off for a second, and then they go back and watch her video, and they think, you know what? Okay, you're right. You know, mom was right. Mom was right. <laughs> mom was always right. She definitely has the ultimate mama bear mentality, and that's what I like about her. She's always around, looking out for. It doesn't matter what kid, if somebody's in trouble or needs some help, she's she's always there to to lend a hand, and I think that's why so many people love mama stacy and i think that's why she's an integral part to your to your program that's for sure i know i'll be praying for her here during these semis while all you guys are showing she's gonna have to be one nervous mom that's for sure well and as much as you said she she'll be there to critique you and tell you guys what you did wrong she's also the loudest one cheering for yeah. you oh yeah and, and so that's that's what's awesome about her too i just i hope she tells us all we can do better in the finals <laughs> exactly Exactly. Well, guys, this has been so much fun. Um, Austin, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule here at the NCHA Futurity and sitting down with us here at the Section K Podcast. So big thanks again for, for doing that. Um, best of luck to you in the semis. Best of luck to Kate in the non-pro semis. And best of luck to Kaylee Shepard in the limited non-pro semis. We will damn sure be reading you guys on. So thanks again, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, thank Austin. You. Thanks, Big A. Thank you very much. Again, big shout-out to Austin Shepard for making time, coming by the Section K podcast during the NCHA Futurity, 
And big shout-out to Big A. He went ahead and split fourth and fifth in the Open Finals at the Futurity and started out his new year at the 2020 Augusta Futurity where he is kicking tail, made both uh, four-year-old and five-six Open Finals aboard three head of horses. So best of luck to the Circle S crew. Hope they have a great 2020 and best of luck for continued success at the Augusta Futurity. Uh, Once again, thanks for tuning in this week to the Section K podcast. Hit us up on social media. You know where to find us. Uh, We'll be seeing you guys down the road. Adios. Bye.